0: The Daydreams of Atheism My atheist friends love to cite their heroes, Immanuel Kant, David Hume, and Voltaire, as leading thinkers who opened new horizons for humanity, freeing it from the religious prejudices that had held it in bondage for centuries. According to many atheists, Humanity's intellectual and moral growth only began with the Enlightenment, that period of intellectual rebellion that Europe experienced in the 18th century. Before the Enlightenment, they claim, all was religious prejudice and darkness. After the Enlightenment, we all went forward singing with a triumphant and sure, or slow but sure, step toward the much greater perspective and freedom of atheism. Ah, that sounds so beautiful. Too bad the Enlightenment never included us all. The Enlightenment was a European movement, and Europe is the whitest continent on the planet. The Enlightenment also came about in the 18th century, which was the same century that created the guillotine, by the way. Hmm. Could there be any connection between the Enlightenment, the age of reason, and all the cries of the French Revolution and the period of the terror and the guillotine? Hmm. I think so. What atheists love about the Enlightenment is that it marks the beginning of Europe's break with Christianity, a process that is still going on today, almost 300 years later. Three hundred years too late! Some of them may be screaming now. Kant, Hume, and Voltaire passionately denounce the prejudices and abuses of the Church and monarchy and are, therefore, heroes of free thought and the equality of all humans, or so atheists tell us. Too bad that the writings of Kant, Hume, and Voltaire, and Darwin and Marx for that matter, Interrupt this intellectual coitus and return us to the gray and drab labors of daily life on this planet where we live. This is going to sound highly scandalous to you, and it should, because it is. Did you know that nothing and no one reinforced slavery and the ruthless exploitation of millions of blacks and indigenous peoples worldwide? more than the writings of Kant, Hume, and Voltaire. Let me read to you just a tiny excerpt from each of them to give you an idea of what it is I'm talking about, how they salute and endorse the enslavement and exploitation of other races. In Observations on the Sense of the Beautiful and the Sublime, 1764, Kant states that humanity attains its greatest perfection, In the white race, the yellow natives have a meek and submissive disposition, but are incapable of strong emotions and are not generous. The blacks, on the other hand, are lazy and obtuse. That's Immanuel Kant. More than thirty years later, in 1798, in his Anthropology from a Pragmatic Point of View, Kant still thought that, The blacks of Africa have by nature no feelings that rise above the insignificant. Not a single one is to be found among them who can present us with anything admirable in art or science or any other praiseworthy quality. On the other hand, among the whites, there are those who continually rise from the lowest strata of society and through their superior gifts win the respect of the world. Whoops. And just listen to what David Hume, beloved of every atheist because he argued against miracles and faith, says. In his Moral, Political, and Literary Essays, 1741, David Hume tells us, I am inclined to suspect that the blacks, and in general all other species of men, are naturally inferior to the whites. There never existed a civilized nation of any other complexion than white not even an individual eminent in action or speculation. There are among them no creations of genius, no arts, no sciences. On the other hand, the rudest and most barbarous among the whites have still something eminent in them, in their valor, form of government, or some other particular. So uniform and constant a difference could not occur in so many countries and ages, if nature had not made an original distinction between these races of men. Wow, Mr. Hume, God does not exist and miracles are impossible to prove. But what is proved beyond any argument is that nature made from the beginning a distinction in favor of the whites among all races. Wow, now that is... Enlightenment. Those were Kant and Hume. Let us finally listen to Voltaire, a revolutionary and secular hero for defending tolerance and freedom of thought. Voltaire states in his Essay on the Manners and Spirit of Nations, 1756, that the black race is a species of men as different from ours as the race of Spaniels is from that of greyhounds. The mucus, or net, which nature has spread between the muscles and the skin, is white in us, and black, or coppery, in them. Voltaire was so repulsed by black people, and especially by black women, wow, that five years later, in a letter to his friend François-Louis-Émile, in 1761, he lamented, I cannot understand how some great men have married black women, it would be impossible for me to go to bed with such ugly women. These are three thinkers quoted ad nauseum in humanist and atheist pages the world over because their denunciation of the excesses of the Catholic Church makes them champions and bastions of thought and equality, even if, as we have seen, they were far from it. The two patron saints of atheism, Charles Darwin and Karl Marx, also defended and propagated racist and sexist ideas, but to Darwin and Marx we will devote special episodes later. For now, let's stay in the 18th century, and the period known as the Age of Enlightenment. The Enlightenment placed great emphasis on reason and intellectual skepticism, To the extent that the term enlightened is synonymous or was synonymous with someone who bravely abandoned their superstitions and wiles of organized religion. Just what our atheist friends think they are doing every time they rant against Christianity, Judaism, and um, I wish I could say Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Paganism, but no. These religions, atheists don't dare attack because... You know, they may offend the prevailing political correctness. Tell me if I'm wrong. Leave me a comment down here. But atheists love to fly the flag of this enlightenment and declare themselves the owners, sole promoters, and heirs of everything good that has happened in the planet in the last 300 years. Humanity finally left behind obscurantism and violence and joined hands in a planetary round singing Imagine by John Lennon around the bonfire where Christianity and the underlying capitalism burned forever. The world embraced in song with clear eyes and a mind cleansed for the first time of theological and ideological prejudices. A new era of equality, progress, and freedom of thought without chains. Ah. Kant eloquently puts it: the Enlightenment is humanity emerging from its self-imposed immaturity. It is a pity then that after the 18th century. The 19th, and especially the 20th century, came along to destroy any notion of triumph and intellectual and moral progress among us corrupt human beings. Undoubtedly, we have made phenomenal scientific and technological progress, but not moral progress. And this is critical. We are still sorcerers' apprentices, even more dangerous and stupid than we were 300 years ago, because now we have far more powerful and lethal weapons and pollution processes with which we actively destroy the planet every day. And if the first great moral and intellectual crime of atheism is to maintain that the universe and all its laws and constants came out of nothing without reason, motive or design, the second crime of atheism is no less serious and no less stupid to try to persuade us that we will never have to account to anyone for our behavior. Like those angry 15-year-olds who believe that the entire universe exists only to applaud them and that they've won the Nobel Prize for intelligence and freedom. It's my truth, okay? I don't give a damn what you think reality is. I don't give a damn what others say, because I'm free to think what I want. Mm. Okay. I am saying all this and making so many bad jokes along the way, because a Harvard psychologist who should be more honest... And careful, Professor Steven Pinker recently published a book called Enlightenment Now, The Case for Reason, Science, Humanism, and Progress, in which he assumes that reason, science, humanism, and progress only awoke were born with the Enlightenment back in 1750 and all previous human history, especially the Christian period, was irrational. Anti-scientific, anti-humanist, and anti-progressive. Religion creates wars, but atheism creates peace. Yeah, let's blame religion for the peace created by the Chinese invasion of Tibet, by the Soviet invasion of Hungary. Or Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, let's blame it all on religion, because it's all religion's fault. We owe all the good and beautiful things we see in the world today to the Enlightenment, which brought light where always prejudice and darkness, myths and close-mindedness because of the church and the brainless sheepish plebs who make it up. Thank you. Kindly explain to us, Professor Pinker, from where and with what roots did the Enlightenment arise if everything up to that time was a dark wasteland so inhospitable to intelligence and reason. Pinker and his friends want to tell us, Man, you're asking me where the Enlightenment came from? Come on, if the whole universe sprang out of nothing, then the Enlightenment also sprang out of nothing. There was nothing at all, and all of a sudden, click, everything of everything came into existence. Nada nada, y de ahí surgió todo de todo, as they say in some quarters. Because atheism is the baffling macro-miracle of nothingness. Atheism is a faith, a religion, based on the cosmic miracle of Our Lady of Nothingness. Like the Enlightenment, the universe, and its dazzling laws and constants emerged out of nothing, as delusional atheism tells us every time. To see history in this way is, of course, ridiculous. As the writer Nick Spencer rightly says, it is to imagine that before 1750, mankind lived in the deepest ignorance and barbarism. But after 1750, all was light and reason. The blue prince of atheism rode on the steed of reason and science to slay the dragon of religious superstition and ignorance. Ah! <music> Professor Stephen Pinker deceives himself and deliberately and deceitfully lies to us all. He attacks the myths of Christianity, which there are, of course, and they are beautiful and powerful, and prefers instead the tales of atheism, which are many and only lead to depression and suicide in the end. Just remember how many brilliant, brilliant atheists who dare to take their ideology to its ultimate consequences committed suicide having committed intellectual suicide because that is what atheism implies and requires, like having everything spring from nothing for no reason or purpose whatsoever, they end up committing physical suicide as well. Brilliant thinkers such as Sartre, Foucault, Benjamin, Kessler, Deleuze, Baudrillard, Durkheim, and excellent writers such as Ernest Hemingway, Virginia Woolf, Sylvia Plath, Hunter S. Thompson, David Foster Wallace, and Yukio Mishima, to name but a few. For atheism, the religion of the cosmic miracle of Our Lady of Nothingness offers nothing to inspire or sustain our life. Let us take a look at just a few of the ginormous myths of atheism. 1. The Myth of Progress this is the idea held by Pinker and many other atheists that things will necessarily get better in the future as we accelerate away from religion and its shackles into an idyllic realm where all is science and reason and universal goodwill. Not realizing, of course, that atheism is also a religion. Another religion to add to the list? Goodness gracious! Yes, another religion with a million dogmas, violence, and prejudices, and not just one, but dozens of holy inquisitions. Just think of the holy inquisitions mounted by Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, Elver Hoxha, Mugabe, Kim il Sung, or Castro and Che Guevara, along with Chavez and Maduro in Latin America. Good luck. History shows us that any society can turn back the clock at a frighteningly rapid pace, scientifically and morally. Remember that Athens, the most civilized and lucid polis of antiquity, had Socrates, the best of her sons, the most civilized and lucid of all ancient thinkers, executed. Remember also that Germany was the most educated nation in Europe and the planet, having given us such titans as Bach, Beethoven, Brahms and Goethe. And yet, it soon descended into the thick darkness of Nazism when circumstances changed at the end of the First World War. And very sadly, for those of us who love and admire its many contributions and virtues, the United States seems to be falling into a similar process of self-immolation at this time. How utterly sad. The Myth of Human Rationality Another favorite myth of the typical atheist is that humans are rational and therefore will always know what is best for ourselves and others around us without needing any backwards-looking religion or morality to point the way. Why? Because our reason is autonomous. What? Enlightened. What? Objective. What? and more than sufficient to decide what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is more convenient, what is fair and what is unfair. Yet atheism cannot give us a single reason to trust our tiny brains. Which atheism forces us to say are mere natural accidents, physical objects arising without any design and purpose? This dogma is imposed on us in every school from childhood. Would you trust something that is nothing more than an accident of no design or purpose with your life, your decisions, your money, your family's safety? Would you? Why? Three. And what about the myth of natural human goodness? That claims that we are all good deep down. As Rousseau dreams, all we want is good. Only sometimes, oh, gee, we forget our human goodness, like Rousseau himself did all the time, like abandoning five children throughout his life. Wonderful man, enlightened Rousseau. Instead of showing this natural goodness, somehow, inexplicably, we become selfish Greedy, cruel, abusive, deceitful, lazy, cheating, fearful, greedy, lying, lustful, etc., etc., etc. Many atheists sincerely work and fight for human dignity and equality, undoubtedly. Thanks to all of them for their excellent and sincere intentions. But they are building a house of cards, because if there is no God, purpose, and a life after death, we have no perch on which to hang human dignity and goodness. We're trying to hang something on the void, maybe on our lady of nothingness. These atheists fail to understand the more profound consequences of their position. If we are indeed cosmic accidents with no purpose, no design, no plan, where do we come up with the idea that there are any rights, any dignity? Whose rights? And why? Dignity. What? Dignity could an accident have? Justice, what justice can an accident seek? What goodness can an accident have? And then, can accidents live in universal harmony? That's ridiculous. That would be like assigning intelligence and intentionality, will, to a stone you stumbled over on your way. You stupid stone! Why did you have to trip me up? What were you thinking? <gasps> or like assigning bad faith, bad blood, to that annoying breeze that blew lightly at three fifty-seven, thirty-eight, and 45 tenths, as you were on your way to a party, ruining the hairstyle you had painstakingly created to impress all your friends that afternoon. The stone you tripped over and the breeze that ruffled your hair did not do it intentionally or deliberately, because they have no conscience, no sense of right and wrong. They were never out to get you. But atheism can never explain consciousness, because it's the intangible glory of the human brain. And admitting that the brain is anything more than physical, that there could be intangible qualities to it, it's almost like opening the door to notions like the soul. No, God forbid Sorry, Darwin, forbid. So atheism reduces you and me to the same existential plane as that stone or that breeze. We are incidents, accidents, without purpose or meaning, that people bump into along the way. When they, too, like us, are simply drifting around without purpose or meaning along the way. Hmm. Undoubtedly, the Enlightenment was a step forward in many ways. But like all historical phenomena of consequence, it was full of contradictions and ambiguities. Remember the gruesome cruelty in the aftermath of the French Revolution, with a temple to reason and all in a period known as the terror. To even suggest as Pinker and too many atheists do, that humanity had achieved nothing good and everything beautiful and commendable that we have today around the planet we owe to the Enlightenment. It's like saying that everything before Immanuel Kant was unknowable and undecipherable darkness. And one fine day, without explanation and warning, Kant and Hume and Voltaire switched on the light of reason, and since then everything has been order and progress." Ah. All the supposed goodness of the Enlightenment, apart from the fact that, as we have already said, its most illustrious and praised thinkers promoted slavery and prejudice against non-European races more than anyone else. And against women, too, by the way, and we will come back to this on another occasion. All the supposed goodness of the Enlightenment has its roots much further back than the year 1750. Here's another scandalous statement. The scientific revolution that has benefited the whole planet was orchestrated and sustained by great Christian scientists and thinkers. Yes, great Christian scientists and thinkers. Against all the prejudices your little biology and chemistry teachers have instilled in you, it turns out that the very scientific method, the scientific method itself, was created by Francis Bacon, who also wrote hundreds of beautiful texts and pages of Christian prayer and devotion, some of them actually taking a long look at atheism and its problems. Didn't your little atheist teachers ever tell you that Isaac Newton, the father of modern physics, of the laws of gravity and motion, wrote more and more passionately about theology than about science? And the same could be considered in the case of Kepler, Copernicus, and Boyle, for whom their fate was a critical part of the scientific inquiry. We have heard a lot about Copernicus and his heliocentrist theory, later defended by Galileo, who was silenced and judged by the corrupt and abusive Catholic Church. But did anyone ever have the integrity to remind you that Copernicus was a Catholic cleric? A priest? That Copernicus did all his scientific research as a Catholic cleric? A priest? And that he never renounced his Christian faith because there is no conflict between faith and scientific practice? Nor, and by the way, did Galileo renounce his faith, because there was no conflict between his faith and his scientific practice. There was conflict between him and his scientific community, who happened, because they were all scientists, to be priests. But it was those priests that were his teachers at university. It was a change of paradigm. The scientific community wanted to hold on to the Aristotelian paradigm And obviously, Galileo and Copernicus were working against it. But that's a lovely discussion for another day. We'll come back to that. Did any of your biology or genetics teachers ever have the personal and intellectual integrity to tell you that the father of genetics, which may well be the most influential and defining science of our present and future as a species, the father of genetics, was Gregor Mendel, the abbot, that is, the father superior, of a monastery, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and that all the experiments that led him to the principles of modern genetics were conducted in the vegetable plots in the courtyard of the monastery he ruled. Genetics was born in a Christian sanctuary. And by the way, did any of your science teachers have the integrity to tell you that Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the Human Genome Project, the groundbreaking genetics research initiative that only recently mapped and sequenced the entire human genome, was an atheist who converted to Christianity precisely because, while investigating the very roots of life, you realize that atheism has no idea what it's talking about when it claims that life arose by accident and without purpose or design. Hmm, I guess not many people had mentioned that little tiny fact. Have any of your little science professors, like the loud-mouthed Richard Dawkins, for example, ever stopped to ponder, why is that all the great and best universities in the world from which all modern science and technology has emerged until today are former Christian monasteries. Man, what a strange coincidence. And because they are former Christian monasteries, these universities all have a quadrangle for a courtyard because that is how Christian monks pray, by walking around a quadrangle. They also have a chapel, because that is where Christian monks pray and worship. And the ancient classrooms are monks' cells and the dining rooms are monks' refectories. The professors themselves, in all these universities, were monks and celibate until only a hundred years ago. Read Tolkien's biography for more details. Did anyone ever have the moral integrity and courtesy to inform you that Georges Lemaitre, the father of the Big Bang theory, the most solid and accepted scientific explanation for the origin of the universe and life in all scientific circles, was a Jesuit priest. Oops. There are beautiful pictures of him with his great friend and admirer, Albert Einstein. Look them up on the internet. Georges Lemaitre. No atheist has ever had the integrity to tell you all this. Because, of course, by admitting even half of these historical evidences, atheism comes crashing down like the flimsy little house of cards it has always been. Pampered atheists like Steven Pinker can speak today precisely because the Christian principles of the West opened up a space for them to do so. Because institutions and values such as human dignity, the rule of law, human rights, the rights of women and children, the rights of animals, and racial and social minorities, the moral imperative to care for the disabled, refugees, and the elderly are underpinned only by Christian values. (sniffs) Scandal! What is this man talking about? Remember that according to atheism, we are only a cosmic accident governed by the survival of the fittest. So there is no basis, neither moral nor scientific, for wasting vital resources caring for the weak, the wounded, the needy, refugees. Contrary to what atheists like Pinker and Enlightenment worshippers say, human dignity and human rights did not begin in the 1750s. They were already and forever established for 3,000 years in Judaism and have spread across the globe for the last 2,000 years thanks to Christianity. No one else. Are there myths in Christianity? Of course, there are, and with excellent reason. Because a myth is not a lie, but a truth deeper than fact. It is a creative story, giving light and meaning to this adventure that is living in the world. A myth is a lesson on how the universe works, how life works, and we had better listen to it to learn how to survive the conflicts and adversities that life will undoubtedly throw at us all. When it comes to purpose and meaning, atheism is a black hole. You will never find true meaning and purpose in atheism because atheism demands no meaning and purpose in any human being. Your actions, your best dreams and values are frankly irrelevant. Who cares what you accomplish, what you suffer, what you aspire to? You're an accident. Why should anybody care about an accident? Among the precious and most profound Christian myths is, for example, the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the first humans being tricked by Satan, our mortal enemy, into defying God, eating a forbidden fruit, and being condemned to die for it. Two innocent beings deceived by a serpent, condemned to live by the pain of their labor and the sweat of their brow, in a world that could have been infinitely better and without conflict, but which became a dark and broody maze. Does that sound like real life? Ah, but these two innocent beings received the promise that there would be a way to escape the maze and restore the original glory of the entire universe. So what was a defeat will be transformed into the greatest cosmic victory. Do you realize how much better, how much more inspiring and motivating it is to live life with a myth like this, a creative story, a guiding light like this? A story that teaches you that, yes, of course, things are wrong. This is a broken universe, and life is often frighteningly cruel and unfair. But there will always be a solution. Justice will be done. We will get out of the cave and return to the light. What does the myth of atheism offer you instead? Positively, nothing. Because it has to sell you the irrational notion that, That you are a simple accident without purpose, identity, or meaning. Consider that for five seconds. You are a mere accident, a fluke, a lucky aberration, in a process with no origin, no purpose, and no plan. No identity, no meaning. The burp, the belch of faceless, ruthless, cosmic forces. Really? What helps you and values you more as a thinking being endowed with meaning, emotions, dreams, and aspirations? To live in a universe in which you have a divine purpose and destiny? Or a universe without reason or explanation in which you are just an accident? No matter how many your merits and highest achievements, you're a burp, vomit, flatulence without identity or name. And if you feel offended by me saying this, why should you feel offended? This is what atheism believes. Man up and keep walking towards the void. Can you imagine the consequences, what this means regarding your identity, the value and dignity of your body, your experiences, your wounds, your deepest longings? Do you realize how much better a life christianity offers you no wonder it continues to attract multi-millions of people from all races and nations of the planet every day because we humans are like sunflowers flowers that seek and will always seek light to thrive and go on living and so we inevitably gravitate towards Christ, towards the light. Thank you for listening. My name is Gabriel Porras and I am a philosopher, journalist and a professional voice artist. Visit me at gabrielvoice.com and radiantwhispers.com to hear more topics like this. Leave me a like if you found any good in this. Subscribe and share it with others. And if you didn't like what I said please leave me a comment and tell me what it is that I said wrong apart from the stupid jokes of course. And because I know, I know, I know you are not an accident. No human being, no creature on the universe has ever been an accident. I wish you a life full of purpose, full of vision, full of dignity and value. May the light of God himself, the source, shine on you every day, forever.